everybody, to another episode of Needs Some Introduction. This is the sixth episode of the Mayor of Easttown recap. This is the penultimate episode of the season, of the mini-season, which means the finale is coming next week. So if you haven't caught up, make sure you do catch up on our shows and on the series itself. Once again, we'd love to hear from you. Send us an email to needsomeintroduction at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your feedback. Make sure you subscribe or follow us on your favorite podcasting app so that you know when we have new episodes out for you. Without further delay, let's get into the episode. A lot of things were revealed. Not as dramatic as last week, but still a good episode. And there's still some mysteries yet to be resolved. Talk to you soon. Thank you, everybody, for listening to the podcast, by the way. Uh, I haven't given you all the updated stats, Sona, but we have now... We're in over 300 cities, over 300 cities. Fantastic. 15 countries. We only have five states, five U.S. states that are holdouts. <laughs> <laughs> I was complaining to you last week that I'm like, where are the Canadians? Why aren't the Canadians listening to us? They're like neighbors. And uh, we now have Canada and we have like pretty much people in all provinces. So in the past week, yet again. Fantastic. Yeah, That's great. We saw we saw a lot of growth. So, So thank you, everybody out there. I know... You must be promoting this show to each other because I can't imagine people are just Googling and finding us. So, um, but I'd love to know how you found the show. Um, we'd love to hear both of us. I think we'd love to hear from you. If you want to reach out to us, drop us an email. Yeah. It'd be so exciting to hear from anybody who's been listening, uh, how they find found us, what their thoughts are generally on the show, what they think about the podcast. I would love to hear anything from anyone that is interested in sharing. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll have, uh, so yeah, so for today's agenda, we're going to uh, recap the show as usual. We're going to have some recommendations at the end. Where do you want to start today? Okay, let's start at the top with these titles. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I researched the title, so yeah. you can. You can. I did as well, because <laughs> it's really just gotten to that point. And I have to say, I know there's this, this phrase, consistency is the hobgoblin of small minds, but <laughs> I am a fan of consistency. And this is all over the place, these titles. Like the first one was a quote from the show. The second one was very literal. There were a few that I'm not sure I ever figured out what they meant. Now, this one is um, a quote from a poem by Emily Dickinson, right? Mm -hmm. Called Hope is the Thing with Feathers. Right. And I I don't mind uh, conceptually having it be a quote from a poem, but then because I like consistency, I wish they were all quotes from poems or songs or, or something. Right, right. <laughs> I mean, I, I just felt like, wow, if I'm Googling the title, that's a, a new level of desperation. I don't think I've ever <laughs> done that before for a show title. I mean, I, it just, obviously I've never been as invested in figuring out what the show title means also, but right, right. Um, because, you know, I don't think uh, the average person person, maybe I'm underestimating people or I'm defending myself. I don't think the average person is that familiar with Emily Dickinson's poetry, that it's going to be so clear to them that, you know, first of all, this is a reference to that poem or, and I don't think this um, title, Soar Must Be the Storm, is so literal that you could figure it out if you weren't familiar with the poem. Right, right. Yeah, I, I did the research myself, and uh, exactly like Sona ma- mentioned, it's a it, the poem is called "Hope is the Thing with Feathers." 
uh, maybe mayor is the thing with feathers too because isn't she the uh <laughs> what is she the mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. lady hawk or whatever they call her oh um, interesting point yes <laughs> but actually i don't even though i say that i think that's clever but i don't think that that's actually <laughs> what it, it's about i think it really mm-hmm. is about hope right although this mm-hmm. this episode i think mayor and this is kind of a theme that i think they have been developing is that mayor is becoming more hopeful, right? I think that thematically has mm-hmm, been happening throughout sure. the show. Yes. But I don't think this episode was about that. So once again, I'm not sure they're landing it with these titles. But to their, just to be clear about me, critical of this, just like you were saying, Sona, like I have never, honestly, like, you know, I watched whatever, all of Lost, and I know people on the internet were like dissecting the titles and lost. I literally never even bothered to know what, like, I was like uh, the 10th episode. <laughs> like, I never even bothered to research this. It just happens to be with right. this, this podcast right. that I'm actually dealing with or trying to figure these things out, right? So so they may be no worse at this than, than usual, but it is, confu- I, I totally agree, by the way, that thematically, it's not like they're all poems. It's not like they're all about something. It's not like they're yeah, clues. Like- pick a lane and stay in it right (laughs) yeah like if you watch breaking bad or better call Saul, for example like there were Mm -hmm. puzzles inside the titles like they revealed characters that were coming right right so there was like they were playing like a game inside the titles so there was something to it instead of just being like this one's going to be about a concept this is going to be about a poem so yeah i'm just going to i actually took a screenshot of the poem so just for anyone who did not bother to google it I'll just, it's a very short poem and I'm not going to do a very dramatic reading, but I'll just read through it very quickly. Uh, Hope is the thing with feathers that perches in the soul and sings the tune without the words and never stops at all. And sweetest in the gale is heard and sore must be the storm that could abash the little bird that kept so many warm. I've heard it in the chillest land and on the strangest sea, yet never in extremity it asked a crumb of me. So sore must be the storm comes into this idea, right? That um, how terrible the circumstances must be to crush your hope. I guess that's what it's saying. I haven't given it a ton of thought, but what do you think? Yeah, I think that's what it's about, right? I mean, that's what the poem's about, definitely, right? It's about the storm that should like be ashamed of itself in a way, right? Of uh, trying to uh, defeat the the this bird that has tried to give people hope, right? And that is, you know, that could be, you know, you could read that metaphorically. The bird can be, you know, uh, mare possibly. It could be mare's hope itself that keeps being, you know, beaten by the storm, right? Um, Or the town, right? The town which has been beaten down by it's drugs and it's depression and all these mm-hmm, things that we've seen. Mm-hmm, right? mm-hmm. So I think it's all those things, but like I said, it is, it, it is, <laughs> this is a very ambitious title <laughs> to throw into the mix, right? I don't have a, a specific familiarity with her work. So I came into it completely, you know, blind. So we spent a lot of time on the title, but I'm going to do one yes. more thing on the title, which is <laughs> when I saw the title itself, just looked it up on IMDb before the show. Cause I always try to do a little, prep work for the podcast, just like fill in the description and things like that. So uh, I looked at this and I couldn't help when I saw the title before I even Googled it and found that it was a poem uh, of thinking of Mare saying this title with her accent with the sore must be the storm. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe the whole thing is just a punchline, right? Who knows? (laughs) I don't know. I don't feel like Mare's the type to make poetic. Oh, definitely not. Definitely not. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> she might have had to memorize it in high school. Who knows? Who knows? Yes, true. I still have in my memory some uh, <laughs> some poems from high school that I had to memorize. <laughs> so <laughs> it is possible. 
<laughs> okay. So now uh, that we've dissected the, the title today. Yes. <laughs> so um, so the, the, the show begins. Oh, by the way, the show begins. I think you were wrong last week. I'm going to call you wrong this time after telling you you were right well, a couple of episodes ago. <laughs> <laughs> that you had mentioned that, you know, they had given Mayor back her badge and everything. And I was like, oh, I, in my memory, it was like she was just her in the kitchen after the shooting. And uh, we open with her recovering in the yes. In so bed, I must have right? been mixing the preview in together with the exactly. Episode then, and yeah. I'll blame Joel for distracting you. I'm sure he was distracting you. Oh my gosh, he was asleep <laughs> last night. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> he must have been asking questions. And by the time you look back at the screen, you saw the preview for next week. <laughs> I mean, some of the questions were like, but how much older is Kate Winslet than Evan Peters? Well, how much older are the characters from each other? <laughs> I actually researched that myself, by the way. She's not that much. I mean, she's like 10 years older, but that's not That's what know, I said. Crazy, she right? said, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> and then I got distracted by my annoyance with that. Although so. she's definitely as, I mean, like you see her, like when she's glammed up, uh, you know, like at a, you know, Hollywood gala or something, she obviously is not, you know, she doesn't, I, I would, you know, not to, you know, shame anybody for their appearance, but I think this is intentional. She, uh, you know, probably looks yeah. older than she is. Absolutely. She's actually not yeah. that old. She's actually in her like yeah. mid early forties, but she's, you know, and, but this is actually intentional, right? She's definitely someone right. who has intentionally kind of let those things go by the side. So, yes, I agree. So anyway, I, the, the, the show begins uh, after we see her waking up in bed. It begins with a kind of a cliche, which I really like, by the way. Uh, it's one of my favorite cliches of like TV shows or movies, which is that kind of like that montage with the music playing where you see everybody kind of like in the aftermath, like dealing with everything and the kind mm -hmm. of see everybody going back to life. And mm -hmm. her, you know, the I like when you it's very efficient, right? Like you see her recovering. We see what everybody else is up to. We see her showing up at home and, uh, you know, the, the media is all over the place. Mm -hmm. So it's like it kind of just gets that all out of the way in like a one minute montage yes. and, I, and i really do mm -hmm. like that a lot so like i said it's a total cliche but but it's one i i definitely like so and then we see deacon right getting arrested i think that's mm -hmm. a total red herring at this point considering what happens by the end of the uh, episode right uh, but they've found the bike and they pulled it out of the river or whatever body of water that is and that, you know, something that is very uh, current in today's world, that there was a camera, right, that saw, <laughs> that saw his car uh, coming across that bridge. Because, you know, that is something, especially because I live in the city, you know, there are cameras everywhere. And whenever there is some type of suspicious activity, there is a very, very good chance that there is a camera that has captured something that's going to be helpful. So I think that was a, a very realistic thing that happened uh that they realized that his car was the one that dumped the bike yeah and me working in technology this is actually something that's that's you know it's interesting that the show you know addressed it so directly but you're absolutely correct we live in a world now where not even in a small town like this putting up cameras like just putting up cameras that have like a a, a large um field of view it's pretty easy to do and they're, they're so high resolution now that like, for example, you could easily read a license plate with some of these, yes. with just a couple of cameras, like, you know, on, on the bridge, on the main roads, you can easily um, uh, track these things down. So it's, it's, uh, and it's, uh, you know, intelligent that they include something like that in because it is the reality of the world. Yeah. Still waters do not run that deep, by the way, because uh, that bicycle was like about in four inches of water. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, poor decision making on the deacon's part. I guess. <laughs> not the right place, not the right place to dispose of the bicycle. Uh, yeah, and we find out uh, as I, I will tell you something. This scene was of such insignificance to me. I guess I didn't even put it in my notes. So, <laughs> so now I'm remembering it while we're talking about it. 
we find out that the father who he had kind of, you know, confessed his relationship with Aaron to mm-hmm. at least partially, we don't really know truly what was going on, had could not live with it. The idea of knowing that they were together on the night that she was murdered and not telling somebody. So right. the, the father, who is Mare's cousin, I guess, had gone to the police and said, you know, what he knew. And that led to them bringing the deacon in. And also, though, I mean, for a man of, of the cloth, he lies an awful lot, this deacon, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I guess, uh, you know, uh, you know, he's just trying to cover himself, which I guess anybody would. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think we've <laughs> discovered that the uh, the clergy is probably not the most uh, uh, honorable um, people, just like everybody yeah. else, not, not to disparage yeah, yeah. them specifically. Um, so yeah, now we know that the Rosses, uh, the two are brothers, which I kind of suspected, but they didn't really make that explicit. Like you said, cause everybody's like a cousin. They could have been some other relationship. You and know, now we know that and I'm, yeah. I'm still a little confused. Uh, and partly, uh, I have not given it as much thought as I could have to figure it out that, I, the, the Rosses are John and Billy. Is that right? John and Billy. Right. And those two are brothers right. and they're cousins with Aaron's dad. Is that right? Cousins, right. Okay, the, uh, so that yeah. explains, I guess, how, does it explain how Aaron's last name is McMenamin instead of Ross? That's where I was getting a little hung up. Right, I think that's what it is, right? When you're, exactly, yeah. when you're a cousin, it's a, it could be on the mother's side and then therefore right. you'd have the different surname, yep. Yeah, okay. It is a little, yeah, a little tricky, a little confusing. But then again, everybody's related in this town, so I don't you know, <laughs> according <Right>. to, <laughs> just like that Saturday Night Live skit. Uh, made yes, there. <laughs> yes. So then after, you know, we kind of see the dynamic between the father and sons at the Ross house and, you know, how John is now living there because he's been kicked out. Because once again, we do, we explicitly find out that it was an affair, like uh, you mentioned already. And now, you know, it looks like John has, well, we'll, we'll get into what what's up with John, because I think there's still something else going on there too. Agree. So yeah, so, it, it, you know, then she's not really dealing with, with Colin's death to the point where she's kind of trying to put up a uh, facade, uh, which eventually breaks. But to the point where she just walks into to Zabel's mom's house and just has this kind of boilerplate uh, cop answer to, you know, to like, oh, so sorry about your loss. And the mom's having none of it. Right. I read that scene completely differently. OK, yeah. OK. Tell me. Yeah. I saw it as she was actually guilt ridden. Yeah. And she couldn't live with herself, uh, not having, you know, addressed it somehow. So she's forced herself to go over there and she knows what it is to lose a child. Yeah. And she knows there's nothing that is ever going to take away that pain, but yeah. she has to acknowledge, you know, that she is so devastated by it. And I think she is guilt ridden by her role in it. And what words does she have except to say, I'm sorry, you know, uh, for whatever little tiny fraction that might mean to this woman, to Zabel's mom. And and yeah, Zabel's mom is not having it, understandably. Yeah. She's very angry. Uh, but I think especially when you see her go back home right. and Helen comes out and says, how did it go? So you know that's something that they've discussed. Right. And she said, okay, I'm going to go do it. And she just breaks down right. from right. the pain that she's in and the guilt that she's feeling. And I thought it was such a sweet moment with her mom that she doesn't try and say anything to make it better. She knows there's nothing she can say to make it better. And she just goes and hugs her and lets her cry it out. 
Right. Uh, and, you know, so I read it completely differently from you. Yeah, and I and I agree with most of what you're saying, but I but I did read it differently. My read of it was that she's kind of you know just when you see her not directly dealing with you know you see her watching this TV when they're talking about Zabel and etc. Um, and uh, you see her face, so she's obviously dealing with something. But at the same time, she seems kind of like uh, she's her usual self, where she obviously has her armor up, and then she goes to see the mother. And then, like I said, it's kind of boilerplate, like going like he was a good cop, he was a good detective, blah, 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 blah. And then the mother like, you know, slaps her like hard twice, right? Yep. And uh, and she seems like stunned, but she just takes it because, you know, of course, like you said, she she has that internal guilt. And then I like I where I totally agree with you is then when she comes home, that scene with her mother is great. And you see her just break down. Right. And it's the first mm-hmm. time we've actually seen her break down to that extent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And like you said, we know she's already kind of finally dealing with uh, the death of her her son. So I think mm-hmm. this is all kind of culminating, right? Yeah, you have another sure. mo- mother losing a son. So yeah, I think it's all happening there. I totally agree with that part of it. But I do feel like at the beginning, she's kind of still being her usual, you know, not dealing with things situation. And then of course, uh, but but I think subconsciously, you're right that she's putting herself in that circumstance. And then of course, that leads to that to that um, realization or that not, re- not realization, but the her, you know, uh, uh, dealing with it there with the, the, the breakdown with her mom, which I think is you know, probably the most emotionally honest she she is. Mm-hmm. And of course, she does feel guilty for Zabel's death as well. So, so that's obviously a very hard thing she's dealing with. Um, and then uh, Richard shows up and she's basically like, I don't think I'm ready for having a relationship, which of course makes perfect sense. <laughs> uh, but- I mean, this episode to me was, uh, you know, compared to the last two, which were just packed with yes, information yes. Mm-hmm. and answers and plot developments. This one uh, felt like a little bit of a breather to me, yes. even though there there is a lot that happened and we do find out a lot. Yep. Uh, the pace of it to me was completely different than the prior two. Uh, I'm kind of like just a breather maybe before the finale. Right. Uh, I totally agree. Yeah. It'll accelerate again. Although they leave us on a cliffhanger, right? But quite um, a cliffhanger. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm like, what's going to happen now? Look at the clock. I'm like, oh, I know what's going to happen. It's going to be a cliffhanger. <laughs> uh, and I feel like with Richard, it almost uh, feels the same way to me yeah. as the deacon of something that seemed like it could be really important at some point. <laughs> but by this point in the series, kind of like, eh, <laughs> I, don't, yeah. I don't really care about this guy anymore. <laughs> I'm starting to feel like it is more of remember when I said, well, the only reason you'd have like Guy Pearson there, he has to be like a, a suspect, which maybe was the intention of, um, you know, casting him or it's just like, you know, in the end, like, you know, whatever she's, you know, uh, you know, let's say that the story itself next week culminates halfway through and we see her just trying to like get her life back together. And I was joking halfway that they like kind of right off of the sunset together. Maybe that is just her, you know, it's just her it's like that little um, a sliver of light at the end of the episode where it's just like her just trying to get her life back together now after this this chapter ends, right? So, I mean, maybe that's where we're going with that character, but... Um... Yeah, I think definitely this show, uh, in a way that I did not expect, is really only half about the mystery, right? right? right. And the other half is really about the people that live in this town and what their lives are like and right. what their experiences have been. And I think often those things are introduced just to further the central mystery. So you have that uh, idea that if you learn something about someone, it's because it's going to be important to that mystery later. Uh, Whereas here, I think, and and I like this about this show, is it's a lot just about understanding the characters and why they are the way they are. Right. Yeah. And I I actually like that too. I think that it is 
uh, once again, something you do see in these type of shows where I think it serves both purposes, right? Where you're simultaneously, you know, seeing these people's lives and how they interact, et cetera, and the relationships they have. And they could also be hidden in there are clues as well, right? But then, like you said, mm-hmm. it's not that everything is a clue, like, which is kind right. of what happens with some very like kind of, you know, uh, uh, cheaper versions of this type of formula where everything's a clue, right? Or, or uh, like I intentionally- think it happens often. And I yeah. think for that reason, if you watch a lot of those types of shows and movies, you become trained to think that, at least I have been trained to think, that every time we learn something about someone, it's a building right. block towards right. you know solving the mystery. Everything's Otherwise, a clue. They right? wouldn't be telling me. So. Yeah, everything's a clue or a diversion, <laughs> yeah. right? Everything's either like yes, a, clue, or a red herring, yes. right? or they're intentionally <laughs> trying to not let you see yeah. what's actually happening, right? right? Which it does serve that purpose, right? But the, what's nice about the way this is written is that those red herrings, quote unquote, are also um, potentially just character building, which is you know mm-hmm. which leads to some richness in the show. But I agree that the show's become the whole time has been more about defining this place, right? Than, uh, than just uh, being a, a mystery. Yeah. Uh, okay, so then we have an actual clue. <laughs> okay. And that is uh, the, the gun, right? The gun, the bullet that, you know, it's mm-hmm. not, um, it's uh, got uh, whatever, it's counterclockwise spin or whatever it is. And uh, it's also, it's very signature, this, um, this impression. So it's an old cop gun. Right. That has not been used. It's not even in you know circulation anymore. Yeah. So it theoretically would be a gun that someone uh, was a former cop would have this gun, or was um, you know stolen from somebody who you know maybe the father has a gun in the house or something like that. Well, I don't know if it gives me any insight, but I think uh, to my recollection, the only old cop we know is Mayor's dad. Is that right? right? I mean, that's the only one I'm aware of. True. But I mean, who knows? There's going to be other people in the town that, but, but yes, I, sure, that's the only one that comes to mind. collect yeah. guns. Mm-hmm. Sure. You know, you know, or it could be uh, stolen from someone's house, right? They make the point about talking about how her son used to steal things from her house. Uh, there's a lot of possibilities, but as far as where the gun originated, the only literal reference we have that I can think of to a cop from that era would be Mary's dad. Yeah. So we'll uh, uh, leave the whole uh, Ross family drama for the yes. end of the conversation because that's, that's pretty much going to be yeah. the, the wrap it all up. So just to type some other loose ends. So we still see Dylan get arrested. There's still something Dylan is hiding and the show is definitely, this is not a red herring. The show is definitely going to have some additional reveal there, but does it, I mean, I don't even know how that intersects with what happened uh, the night of, because I think it's, you know, the, the suspect list is very small as to what happened with Aaron, right? So I, I, so what do you think is still happening with, with Dylan and, um, and, and Jess? Yeah. I found this very confusing. So I, we know Dylan has something to hide because he was missing the night that Aaron yep. was murdered around mm-hmm. the time that Aaron was murdered. Could right. be a coincidence, could be not. And we know that they burned the journals together. Right. Uh, him, Jess, and that third kid who we still don't really know that much about. <laughs> and so in this episode, Brianna goes to the police and tells them what she knows about how Dylan was missing, right? And they bring right. him in and they say, we know that you were missing. Brianna told us. And they specifically tell him, this is the person that we found this out from. Right. And he says he wants a lawyer. And then later in the episode, he's so furious with Jess that he is running her down on the street and holding a gun to her head. Right. 
saying, you know, we're all in this together. And I don't know, I feel like I, I missed something either in the episode or in my mind that ties these events together. Uh, you know, he says, did you tell them about the journals and how we burn the journals? And I don't, I don't think she actually gives them a clear answer, but you know, that we've seen, she hasn't told them that she's only misled them. I, what am I missing? Can you fill this in for me? Well, I, I don't know how it ties in with the broader story, but I do think it's important. I assume that Jess or like I said, or that third character did come and say, yeah, look, we burned these journals. Um, and maybe those were the, you know, the guilty faces we saw last week. Maybe one of them was feeling guilty enough to, to identify it. I'm not sure if it was Jess or if it might be him. Like maybe he turns out to be the one who leaked the information, but I don't, I don't think who did it is that important as to the fact that, you know, just that Dylan is still hiding something. And that is interesting because given what we know, the, uh, uh, and we're going to get into it in much more detail, but you know, the 529 date and everything else, I'm pretty sure that suspect list is down to one household, <laughs> basically. <laughs> now, I mean, who, who in household is a question? A, we know that there's, you know, a, a drug issue in this town with yeah. opioids. And also a lot of people seem to like edibles. So <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's an edible seed again, I, right? So I don't know if those are legal in East town or not, but um, <laughs> so I guess there could be something drug related going on. I don't know that uh, I would not make the assumption that someone told the police about burning the journals because Mara says to Dylan, you move the journals, right? Because they weren't where they were supposed to be, where Jess said that they would be. But Jess told Dylan that she misdirected them right. on the location of the journals. So I don't even know that I would make that leap. So I, I just feel like we're missing a piece here. And I don't know if it's my own fault or, the, uh, or it's a purposeful missing piece or what. Then we have uh, a scene with Drew's mom. She's, uh, she's, she's overworked. She's falling asleep. And uh, <laughs> another uh, scene that is needlessly... <laughs> you know, teasing the death of a child, right? Which, which we don't need that, but you know, he's, turns out he's just practicing holding his breath. But what do you think that's, I think, and this is my reading of that scene is that I think she is, you know, that everybody, there was actually a scene where Frank and Mayor are talking about losing custody uh -huh. of, 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 uh -huh. of Drew. And I have a feeling that, and in the end, the mom, and I'm hoping this is the way it goes, by the way, just for my concern for these characters, I hope that the mom basically says, look, I'm not ready for this. But then Mayor is like, I want to help you through this, right? So like, in other words, mm -hmm. they will co-parent, but maybe Drew stays living with, with Mayor, right? I think that's how things are going to land. How do you feel about that? Especially we've had references to Drew going to swim lessons. Uh, so, and I assume his swim lessons are going better than my kids' swim lessons. <laughs> um, so he has some skills there. So I personally did not get super stressed out at the scene. Uh, I do think that just because I was bringing my real life experience into it, but uh, I do think they're trying to show that she is trying, right? You see her, she's, she says that she's working two jobs. Uh, her coworker offers her some kind of upper to help her stay awake because she right. says she's exhausted mm -hmm. and she thinks about it and she turns it down. Like she's trying to be on the right path. So, and, and that's the reason she falls asleep is because right. she's so exhausted and she won't uh, do anything to purposefully keep herself awake with a drug. Right. Uh, so I think in a way they're showing us both that she is committed to being a good mom, but also that like you were saying, she is not yet equipped to be a good mom. Right. 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 Yeah. I think that's the direction it's going in. And um, 
and we'll see where it lands. I mean, potentially, you know, she could slip back into drugs and everything, but I don't think that's the way it's going. I think I have a feeling she's going to be like, I can't get clean and stay clean and deal with my life and take care of a kid right now, which is completely <laughs> understandable. Yes. And, uh, and I think mayor and the families be like, well, that's what we're here for. Right. That's what we're right. Doing, right. So I think that is um, going. And once again, that's part of that hope, which hopefully does not get beaten by the gale as the poem says. Right. Right. Because in the conversation that mayor has with Frank, he expresses surprise right. that she doesn't seem to be the old mayor that he knew that would fight this tooth and nail to keep Carrie away from the kid, that she's starting to understand that she is his mom and there is benefit from having your mom around. And he's surprised by that change in her perspective. Right. And then we have finally the scene within the psych, uh, the therapist's office and, uh, you know, very, <laughs> I just wrote down psychology 101, where she's like, you know, you're not dealing, you're, you're, you're not, you're not dealing with your son's death. Right. So it's like, you know, kind of, I'm glad you came back to see me because apparently I've, you know, used my, 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 my learned skills to discover that the most obvious thing <laughs> in the world, right. <laughs> Which we haven't gotten around to during your official therapy sessions, but regardless of all of that, it, um, leads to a very, very, uh, upsetting, uh, sequence yes. where she walks through the day that and by the way this scene was very well done because i like the fact that she is recounting the day and you hear her getting into all these details of these things that are totally not important because you can just tell she's trying to avoid the moment where you know she gets to the meat of the story and then of course that's when we actually see it play out and wow that scene is very hard to watch and uh, uh kate winslet's performance when she's walking up the stairs just her face, like not able to make eye contact. It's a really, really great performance mm-hmm. on her part. Yeah. I mean, and all nonverbal, right? Once again, she's really yes. a very good actress. And you just, as if anybody needs to hear that at this point, but. <laughs> <laughs> New discovery. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was amazingly well done and you really felt her pain and right. the inconceivable situation that for any parent to have to discover their child like that. And, you know, the, the cutting him down. Oh my God. Like it brings tears to my eyes. Just the idea of it. Just Uh, thinking of it. Exactly. And you find out more as well about what's going on in her relationship with her daughter, with Siobhan. Mm -hmm. We find out that a lot of the tension between them is Siobhan's resentment at Mare calling her to go check the house that day right. instead of going herself. And, and you know, I'm sure that Mare is harboring her own, you know, guilt about that, too, that, you know, not only this happened to one of her children, but then the other child had to be the one to discover it. Right. You find out, I think, a lot about the family dynamic there and about how you know, in a previous episode, Frank had said to Mara, like, at least I'm not afraid to talk about Kevin. And here again, Siobhan says, you never talk about him. You never talk about him. Uh, and, you know, the pain that she's dealing with, the guilt that she's dealing with, everything she's processing, and that she's trying to just block it out by not addressing it and how angry it's making her family that she's taking that approach. Right. 
Right. And, uh, and then that ties into another scene I wrote down, which is, uh, so we see Siobhan, first of all, we're still spending a lot of time on Siobhan's social life. Too much time with Siobhan, <laughs> I have to say. And I don't particularly just like the actress or the character, but this right. is just too much. Unless and what school is she going to go to? involved in this murder, it's too much. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> unless, unless it turns out it was her at the end, yes. <laughs> which is seeming less and less likely considering. I literally have tried to like bend over backwards to see if we could tie her in somehow. And I'm like, this seems impossible <laughs> at this point. But, um, um, but yeah. Yeah, so yeah, we see her. Like you said, she 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 is uh, overreacting to being uh, ghosted in, in her texts, and oh, yeah. uh, she's trying to figure I mean, out what school to go to. We all become a little unhinged sometimes, but yeah. that was really yeah. <laughs> I guess when you're 18, I mean, you know, and then she takes her edibles, and then she gets wasted, and uh, and come her friends bring her home. But in all this, you know, over uh, uh, you know, probably once again spending too much time on her. However, it does lead to that scene where she confronts her mother, right, specifically about the discovery that day, right. So the scene we saw earlier. So um, in a way, it's good to. I mean, as rough as that scene might be on Mare, it's good to finally get all these things out in the open. I guess, right. Mm-hmm. All right. So then, I think we. Uh, that's all I have. Do you have anything else you want to cover before we just get into like what is probably going to be the big uh, reveal? Not the reveal, but I guess the big um, denouement, the, the the finale here. Uh, I think, right? The Ross oh, I family. like the little French accent you did. <laughs> you there. like Very that? Nice. I threw that in there. Uh, <laughs> I gotta throw it in there. I gotta throw it in there. <laughs> I took Spanish in high school, so that's beyond me. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I just have one other thing, which is kind of. Uh, in a way, a parallel to the situation with Mara and her son, in a way, uh, when Mara gets called to her friend, uh, Mara's friend, Bethy calls her, right, about the her brother that she hasn't seen in several right, days. Right, right. Okay, yeah, that, yes. And Mara is again in a situation where there's somebody who's an addict that they've lost track of, and she has to be the one this time to go into the house, right? It's not Siobhan, it's her. Right. Uh, and see what's going on in there. And, you know, she finds that the brother, and to your point earlier, whose name I can't recall, even though I do think they, he, they've said his name, I just can't recall it, uh, that they find the brother has overdosed uh, in the house. And she is the one that has to give her friend that news this time. And, uh, and that leads uh, really to the final scene, the, the final thing that we're going to discuss because uh, the brother has this bag of Aaron's clothes. Freddie is his name, by the way, Freddie. Ah, good, Freddie. Uh, <laughs> so Freddie has this bag of Aaron's clothes. Right, right. Which has the t-shirt, you Five know, from the nine. Ross family reunion, which uh, I'm always impressed when people have these t-shirts made up for their family reunions because even to get my family to show up in one place is such a, giant undertaking. I don't think anyone could ever coordinate t-shirts, but uh, so the t-shirt Ross family reunion with the date that was mm-hmm. on that heart shaped pendant that she mm-hmm. had found earlier of uh, May, whatever, 2017, mm-hmm. uh, May 29th, 2017, something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. Uh, so now Mara understands what the date reference is and that sets into motion that whole other part of the episode regarding the Rosses. Right. So she goes to see, I forgot that, 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 that clue, that key clue. So first of all, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Thematically, I wrote that down another family death, right? So we have that, mm-hmm. you know, three times in the same episode, right? Not a family death, I should say, but I guess another death that a uh, mayor has to witness, bear witness to, let's say. And then, um, uh, and then of course that clue, which then leads them to go to prison where they um, uh, meet up with uh, Aaron's dad. 
And Aaron's dad talks about how, you know, he gave her the clothes, gave him the clothes, gave the clothes to mm-hmm. Freddie. And then that's when we know uh, that's how he came about getting the clothes. So it wasn't like he stole it or anything like that. So at least that kind of tells us that it was just, you know, nothing yes. nefarious there other than, uh, and then he finds out what the uh, importance of that date is. And then this kind of, these scenes are spread out throughout the episode, but I kind of, we can just kind of bundle them all together. So yes. we see everything that's happening with the Ross uh, family, right? So first of all, we see the dad is taking the two sons back in. He goes, oh, my sons are living with me again. Oh, the, what a pain in the ass this is. But the, yes. the, and then the dad, all of a sudden, in the middle of the night, he's like, you know, I have to tell you something, John. I saw Billy that night and he was covered in blood, which is funny that the dad is like having this like, you know, crisis of faith in the middle of the night when he seemed so casual about everything earlier, but regardless. Um, so then that like starts the plot I going. Also, yeah, go I, and again, maybe my poor uh, viewing skills or my perception, I, I felt, I, I didn't see him as being covered in blood in that flashback. Did you? I didn't, but I'm pretty sure that, I mean, uh, I did not see him covered in blood, but then again, we only kind of see his like face and maybe his shoulder. Yeah. So I, I could picture like if he had taken his shirt, his, uh, you know, like a flannel off or something that right, that's what, what they do with the dad. So, and maybe the dad saw blood on his pants on his, I don't think the dad's hiding anything there at all. No, I don't, I don't either. I'm going to take it at its word. I just, right. it was something that struck me as strange because covered in blood sounds so dramatic. And in the flashback, he looked pretty much fine, but I agree. Let's take it at, as, at his word. Yeah. And, and I, and that, you know, this is very technical, but I think that I do agree that with the critique in general, with the fact that if you're going to have him tell you the story and not show the flashback, that he could just tell the story and has just as much power right. to show the flashback. And then like, for example, like to not whatever pan down to his feet or something and see right, blood on his something. Or whatever, yeah. <laughs> that, um, that you would just show him like, kind of like from the shoulders up and be like, dad, and close the, the, the door. <laughs> it's like, um, uh, it's weird, right? That they would present yeah, it that way. Like I said, because choice, honestly, yeah. even, even when you're editing the show together, just don't include the flashback, just have him talk, just have him say yeah. it. To, and that's it. I honestly think the scene would probably be more powerful if it was just a dad talking to John and John reacting and that's it. Right. right. More, yeah. Um, so then we, yeah, so that scene's there. Then, uh, that leads to a scene where John goes and tells, talks to Billy and he says, you know, dad saw you. I think Mare's been asking around. Uh, she's asking about the date. Um, and, uh, oh, and of course, Mare had gone to the jewelry, which of course, this is another very funny thing, by the way, that she goes to the, um, it's such a, uh, um, it's such a detail for TV and not for reality where it's like, oh yeah, yeah. I know who bought that. Let me pull out that receipt. And it just uh-huh. says Ross. Yep. <laughs> so we don't know I who it is. It's just one of the Ross. <laughs> just someone. Was it the first name Ross? I don't know. Yeah. You know, it could be Ross from friends. It could be a, a twist. <laughs> uh, yeah. So then we, she, so she's circling and she's getting closer. Uh, so two important scenes that happen there. One is Billy and John together and Billy and John is telling Billy, you have to say it out loud. So then uh, Billy does say it that I killed Aaron. And how do you read that scene? What a weird scene that was. Yes. I mean, it sounded like the police department trying to coerce a confession out of somebody, mm-hmm. right? I need mm-hmm. to hear you say it. I need to hear you say it. I wondered if he was wearing a wire at some point. <laughs> I thought so too. I mean, is he recording this? Yeah. It didn't seem like a normal conversation you would have had Billy actually been the sole person anyway to be responsible for this. So there's a lot of sketchiness around that. And I think I I might be jumping the gun with what you had planned to say, but I think this was actually a a prior scene when you see that John is moving back into the house 
and he's trying to get help moving those mattresses right up mm-hmm. the stairs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know where we grew up, you and I grew up around the corner from each other, essentially. Right. And it's a very, you know, very typical suburban layout where if you know where what the layout of my house is, we knew what the layout of your house was. They're all exactly <laughs> the same, exactly. You yeah. know, and it it has that uh, that same idea there, which I thought was nice. So he's trying to move in the mattresses. He asks his brother for help. And, you know, the brother is asking, uh, Billy is asking John, what, what are you doing here? What's going on? And they, John says, well, you know, uh, I'm here because Lori thinks I had an affair or something like this, right? And Billy says, well, did you? And he's quiet. And then Billy immediately is angry and talks about like, you've got trouble keeping it in your pants. Right. Uh, and it causes trouble for all of us. Right. And so I kind of wondered about that. I mean, there seems to be, right, more happening related to John's inability to keep it in his pants. <laughs> right, right. I actually read it the same way. I feel like, but I have another theory, but I'm going to still put this out there. I feel like regardless of who the killer is, I think that Billy is like the scapegoat in this regard. Yes. And John is basically telling him, you need to like take the blame right, for like this. Do they right. have some prior agreement or has right. he somehow... Uh, maybe Billy blocked out at some point for some reason. And when he, you know, was conscious again, John told him, listen, this is what happened. And maybe it's true. Maybe it's not. I don't know. Right. And then, um, yeah. So I think that it is, yeah, I think that's what is happening. That Billy is, he's, you know, John, when John's asking him, I need to hear you say it. It's like, he needs to basically just check that he's able to say it. Right. So that he can Mm -hmm. get used to saying it, let's say. Right. And, uh, but yeah, I think that the, he's just scapegoating him and that they're, and he's guilting him into it. Cause he's like saying, look, you know, you're, you don't have kids. You don't have a family. Um, I need you to do this, you know, for the sake of the family, blah, blah, blah. Which of course, by the way, he uses that exact same uh-huh. uh, line on his wife, right? It's like, I need uh-huh. you not to say anything to Mayor uh-huh. for the sake of the family, blah, blah, blah. So I think that it's the same type of thing that he's trying to um, but I think he's also, uh, and I guess this leads directly to the, the last sequence. I think he's also not taking any chances with uh, his um, brother uh, not taking the fall for this because I think he's planning to get rid of his brother, right? Basically. Right. So that gets to the fishing trip they're going to take. Right. And when right. they're packing up the car, uh, Billy is going to put something in the tackle box, it seems like. Right. And when he opens the tackle box, he sees that there is a gun in there. So, and I think the assumption is, or at least the assumption I made, is that, you know, that's a gun that John has put in the tackle box previously, did not think Billy would discover it. And that, yeah, he plans to uh, do something to Billy on this fishing trip. So um, uh, Lori, uh, even though she is, I think, intending to not tell Mayor, when Mayor basically directly confronts her, she just comes right out with it and says, look, this is what John told me. Uh, Billy killed her and blah, blah, blah. And uh, they're on this fishing trip and Mayor right away is like, oh, this fishing trip sounds very fishy (laughs) to me, no pun intended. (laughs) And she heads right out there. Um, So of course she's heading there. And simultaneously, Jess, uh, the picture that she secreted away she shows up at the police department gives it to the chief and he immediately calls mayor so he sees something in the photograph which of course we can't see Mm -hmm. because the show is teasing it from us that um uh whatever is in that picture he needs to immediately talk to mayor about it but let me just say before you get there 
Mare and the chief have a conversation where she's driving to the fishing trip and the chief tells Mare, okay, pull over and wait for backup. Oh, yes. Yep. Absolutely. Yes. 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 Oh, yeah. And this is once again, goes back to the very first episode where you're like, oh, people see her as being difficult. I mean, this is Mare being Mare, where right after just one episode after her you know, yes. kind of being overly aggressive, got Sable yes. killed, and yes. she is still like, I lose myself. You it's have like learned yeah, nothing. Nothing. <laughs> I know. Very frustrating. Yes, very frustrating. But yeah, that's a very good call out because that is so in character for her. But once again, why can't she learn from her mistakes? I mean, especially in this situation, which yeah. seems a lot less fraught with uh, possibilities for innocent people to lose their lives right. than the last situation. I mean, you know, it, it doesn't seem like anything is all that far away from each other. Just pull over for a few minutes. Yeah, something bad is going to happen. But is she like, is the 20 minutes, 30 minute difference <laughs> of her arrival really going right. to change all the? Yeah. Anyway, but yeah, I, I think it's a bad choice on her part, but it's, it's, it's in her character. That's for sure. That's our mayor. <laughs> that's our mayor. Exactly. <laughs> So yes, then you see Jess has gone to the police right. after this uh, terrorizing episode with Dylan. Right. <laughs> she has gone to the police with that photograph that we see her uh, take from the journal last week or the week before. I'm not sure anymore. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but the photograph we take, we saw her take from the journal. I, I assume this is the same photograph. We see that she's gone to the police and apparently there is something quite shocking. And uh, what do you suspect? What do you think is in there? You know, I can't figure out what it could be that would be so shocking that would have that reaction of like, Mare must be called immediately. Uh, is it her kissing one of the Ross brothers? I, I don't, I don't know. What do you think? I mean, I think that, well, I have, I have two theories. One is I think that it could be uh, John and her together. And he just wants to warn Mare that, wait a second, it's not Billy. You know, uh-huh. and uh, so it could be something like that. I have another theory, by the way, uh, as how there John is trying to coerce. I've had this theory for a while now, and I haven't mentioned it, but I suspect, and it kind of, it didn't make sense to me earlier. I had a theory way back that it could have been the teenage son that was the killer, and I couldn't quite piece huh. together why I suspected him. And now when, you know, if these things are true, if some of these things that are bleeding out of these stories is true, I was suspecting, imagine that Aaron does blackmail the dad and the son finds out about it and the son gets her out there somehow and kills her, right? Maybe he just threatens her with the gun, but the gun goes off, right? And then the brothers cover it up. And that mm-hmm. is how, so now that could be the real reason. That's a good one, Victor. <laughs> Especially because we saw him being so protective of his sister the other week. So we know that when people attack his family, he does get violent. Right. Oh, interesting. And that would also explain why, like, for example, like Billy would be willing to take a fall. Yeah. He could just be a bully. And there's one last thing that I think is a possible clue also is that I think back all the way to the first or second episode second episode, I guess it was, right? Because yes, the second episode, because Aaron dies in the first one. But like when, you know, the next morning when the call comes in and uh, John is waking up 
And he doesn't look like someone who was just out the night before murdering. Uh, you know, um, <laughs> he just he seems very nonchalant about getting the call. He's like, what? what like when his wife wakes him up, he's like, what? What is it? You know? Mm-hmm. Um, and he had been at like a reunion, school reunion, or something. Which I mean, he's. St- I mean, this is two o'clock in the morning, so he still could have had time. No, he do- was at uh, Frank's uh, engagement. Oh, party, the engagement right? party. Right. Right. Oh, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Right across the street. So, um, and, and that, then in part of that after party, they go to that bar that, you know, everybody goes to or whatever. Right. Right. But which yeah. still gives them time. Cause I mean, it's two o'clock in the morning. So there still gives them time to end up there. But I wonder, once again, I wonder if like, for example, it was the sun and Billy helped cover it up. And now John wants to have Billy take the fall and, uh, not because he's just a sociopath, but because he's trying to protect his son. Right. Mm-hmm. And that also explains uh, the son's very guilty reaction when he sees the news story on TV, right? That was another outlier scene back, back month, a few episodes back. Right. And that could be the secret that they're keeping, not an affair. Right. Uh, exactly. Because they do make the point of saying, uh, in this episode, Lori says to Mara, well, the last time he was cheating, I knew it on some level because right. he was always missing. He was always late. There were phone calls, whatever it was. Right. And this time I was completely blindsided. I didn't see it coming at all. Right. So maybe. And that also explains, by the way, once again, a lot of these things that were re- like weird in my mind and maybe to the credit of how well-written the show was, like when she had that conversation with her son, remember I called out how confusing that was to me. Cause like, why is she like, why is she putting words in his mouth? Is it the she same woman? Is mouth. it this? And she, he's just like, uh-huh. Uh-huh. So it's yeah. like, is he like, she knows something's wrong. I have to say something. And, um, you know, and I then, can't say what it really was. Yeah. And then when you see the dad with the son, as he's leaving, he's like, I'm going to make this right. Yes. So once again, you're like, oh, he's not going to sleep with that woman anymore. But I mean, maybe that's not at all what he's talking about this whole time, right? Right. So Aaron was threatening to expose uh, that Billy is, let's just say for the sake of this theory, that Billy is the father, uh, which I think is quite likely anyway. uh, So Aaron is threatening to expose that Or it could be John. It could also be John. That's the other question. It could be. Because John can't keep it in his pants. That's true. Quite true. And Billy's angry about that. Good point. Mm -hmm. Okay, so, but whatever, somebody in the Ross family is the father. So Aaron is threatening to expose that and blackmailing them for ear surgery money, maybe. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Right, right, exactly. I'm not sure uh, what she is looking to gain from that. It must be money, right? What else would it be? Yeah, no, I think so. Maybe she wants to be in a, I don't know. Maybe she wants to be in a relationship with one of them. I don't know. So in response, somehow the son, Ryan, finds out about this. I wonder how Ryan would find out about that. I mean, it could be text messages. She could be, it could be rumors around town. You know, it could be. So you think John's the father? I think John's the dad. I mean, it could also be, by the way, it still could be any of these other Ross suspects. It could be Billy because like John is like the womanizer and Billy, who's kind of seems a little, you know, awkward and stuff. Maybe he's trying to be similar so he is mm. you know now and he has Aaron in his house so maybe now he's doing you know but uh but I still think it's John that's my my guess but John's the the person who is the father but not the um uh, not the killer though not the killer yeah hmm interesting very interesting the uh, I like the Ryan theory a lot it's the, I'm just getting hung up on the idea that that kid was out in the middle of the woods at 2 a.m and his mom didn't know but 
I mean, kids can sneak out of the house though, right? I suppose, yeah, sure. And um, and that's why I was thinking maybe the dad got a text message. You know, the dad was, you know, um, the dad came home late from uh, from the bachelor party uh, or the, the shower or whatever it was, uh, engagement party. So maybe there was a, um, you know, maybe there was some communication that he got, uh, you know, that he got, you know, intercepted somehow. Um, yeah, but you're right. He is, he is young, but I still wonder. Yeah. Anyway, so he's still, now he's, he has become my prime suspect. And I always kind of felt like the show was teasing something and I couldn't put it together, but now Mm. my theory has some legs basically. So. Yeah. And that's a lot better of a reason I think for Billy to be taking the fall than, than for John or, uh, something like that, which I, I mean, I guess, depending on how you see family, maybe you would still, but I, I don't, I didn't see it as much as I would, uh, the likelihood of him taking the fall for Ryan. And then if that were the case now, we're just, it's just complete conjecture. But if that were the case, I wonder if John has told Lori about it. And that is why Lori went to mayor to kind of double down on the idea that it was Billy, uh, you know, to distract from what really happened. Well, in that scene where he, she, he is telling her, when he's telling Lori, um, isn't he, he, he explicitly says that Billy um, killed him, right? I mean, like it's, it would be a lie. I'm pretty sure it's a lie, but doesn't he explicitly tell her? Yeah, that Billy, you're right about right? that. Okay, yeah. never mind. I was trying to get Lori implicated, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, never I, mind that. Okay. And yeah, I think that that is uh, the case. And, uh, and I think also, by the way, that that is, it also explains some of the other things. Like remember when mayor shows up at the, and uh, you know, Billy leaves his, uh, his rolling rock behind. Yeah. <laughs> but not mm-hmm. only, there's a couple of things that happen in that conversation. One is that they're thinking about adopting the kid, yes. which yes. of course then is like, you know, it's not weird because they're like, Hey, it's our kid anyway. Right. That's family. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And then the second uh, part about it is um, that, uh, although it would be family anyway, because of the, uh, you know, like the, the, the uh, either uh, way, yeah. but still it's much closer <laughs> than, yeah. than we thought before. No. And that's um, what I meant. Yeah. Right. When I said, yeah. yeah. And the uh, second part of it too, is that maybe the reason that John is not just a straight up sociopath, who's just like looking at the TV screen and not even reacting as Billy is freaking out is that maybe once again, John does not yet know about um his son's involvement, right? Maybe the son didn't mm-hmm. contact the dad to help him cover it up. It was Billy who has the blood on him, right? Billy was mm-hmm. the person who did the cover up, right? Mm-hmm. And he told the kid to just go home. Uh, and uh, and now th- that is what's come to light afterwards. And he's had, you know, that, that's when the mom sees them saying, this is going to be our secret, whatever. He's talking about how, you know, the son has probably finally confessed to the dad, right? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. So I think, yeah. So anyway, that's, that's, it's all coming together. My, my theory, that's my theory. That's my theory. Do you have an, an alternate theory of any kind? Right. So maybe Billy is the one that moved the body right. from yeah. the park to the woods. And so that's the reason that he's covered in blood because they called him after the fact, possibly. Right. And said like, oh, come help us. We don't know what to do with this whole situation. Uh, yeah. I think that's a really solid theory. Uh, right now, I don't have a working theory except that uh, I, you know, clearly, and and this isn't controversial, I don't think, given what we've seen, that, you know, Billy is being uh, the fall guy 
for oh, yeah. at least some part of this uh, involvement. Uh, he's, you know, he did come home covered in blood. He definitely did something that wasn't right. right but right. Uh, whether he actually murdered this girl or, you know, was just one player in some type of uh, thing that has gone wrong or a scheme or whatever it may be. But uh, it's it's clearly not so simple that it's just Billy, but that's not really a hot take. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I definitely, I like your theory a lot. I think that's a really good theory. It's one that um, I had not thought of personally, but it does, it would explain a lot about why people are acting the way they are acting in this last episode. All right. So, oh, and then of course we end up on a cliffhanger, right? Uh, she is approaching um, the, uh, and I don't know if you saw that it's coming next, but if anybody's watching, listening to this, by the way, don't watch the coming attractions. The only reason I would say don't watch that is because, and I did, I did watch it. I shouldn't have, but I did. And the reason <laughs> is that, <laughs> the reason that it, I say that is like, it doesn't give away who the killer is or anything like that. But just the fact that like, there are people, there are certain people in the trailer <laughs> basically tells you that like, whatever the, the, the outcome for Mare and uh, the brothers, it, it kind of gives you um, some idea of what the outcome is going to be right so i would say avoid the trailers if you can because there's really no reason to watch it you only got one more episode to watch so and most of you are probably going to binge this whole thing at the end anyway so <laughs> just skip all <laughs> just skip all the skip all the previews and just watch the show um okay so do you have recommendations i actually saw a bunch of stuff this weekend so i have some good recommendations i'm not going to cover all of them but do you have recommendations before i get into mine so I just have a recommendation that kind of links to our conversation last week about the movie Go mm. and what a great soundtrack it had. And then I was thinking, well, one of my other favorite movies ever has a great soundtrack. And maybe this is part of the reason that I love both these movies. Uh, again, from that same era, I think I, I got to look up when these movies came out, but like a late 90s, early 2000s, it feels like anyway, uh, Gross Point Blank. Oh, is yes. Mm -hmm. One of my all time favorite movies. It's one of those movies that if it's on TV, I feel compelled to watch it. Uh, super clever, super funny, amazing soundtrack. Mm -hmm. uh, really a lot of great music in that movie. Uh, I am a John Cusack fan, so I do go into it with that bias. But uh, I just find it so watchable. It's John Cusack, Minnie Driver, uh, Jeremy Piven, I think. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, and the, the story is that John Cusack, after graduating high school, uh, he kind of just disappeared on prom night and joined the military and through a sequence of events became a contract killer. He's an assassin mm -hmm. and he has all of these uh, hang ups about being an assassin. And there are a lot of really funny scenes between him and his therapist uh, working through his issues with being an assassin. Uh, and he returns to where he grew up to go to his high school reunion. And there's a, a very funny plot about them uh, forming a union of assassins and his conflicted feelings <laughs> right. about joining the union. Mm -hmm. uh, Minnie Driver was supposed to be his prom date and he abandoned her on that night and he wants to reconnect with her and she's still angry with him about it. Uh, there's you know, a lot of the stuff you do, like in a high school reunion context, but like, I haven't seen you in so long, where have you been? And 
there's kind of a running joke where he's trying to tell everyone he meets that he is an assassin and no one will listen <laughs> they just to think him. It's a joke, right? Uh, yeah. Uh, there's just, there's so much going on in this movie. It's just a super, super fun thing to watch. Uh, very light, despite the, uh, <laughs> despite the subplot of being right. a hired killer. Um, and uh, it's just super fun. So if you're looking for something, I think light and fun that will hold your interest and with great music, uh, it is one of my all-time favorites. Yeah, that's a movie I've seen many, many times. And by the way, it was one of the very first, epi- one of the very first uh, suggestions I pitched to Sydney on that uh, Scott Pilgrim uh, episode. Oh, is that right? But she had seen it. So it was, uh, so that's why. So we, good. We, yeah. But that was like maybe the first or second thing I pitched to her. Um, and she had seen it. And she said she had not only seen it, she had just seen it very recently. And uh, I haven't seen that movie in many, many years. But I remember when it first came on cable, like I had seen that movie. Oh my God, I must have seen it. I don't know. And I, I'm going to say, you know, I think it's probably like seven or eight times is probably the number of times I saw it, which may not sound like a lot. Cause I know some people who watch a movie every week when they fall in love with it. But for me, that's a lot. Like some of my favorite you, movies. Yeah. yeah. I've seen like two, three times from some of my absolute favorite movies. So for me to see that it's exactly the reason I could watch it so many times, like you said, is that it's just so entertaining, the dialogue, the music, the tone of it. So it's just something you just like throw on and uh, it's, you always get into it. It's, it's very, uh, yeah, it's a great one. Yeah. So what are your recommendations? Okay. So I have, I have a bunch of recommendations. Like I said, I watched a bunch this weekend, but I'm only going to talk about two of them. One is if you like um, Gene Smart, Gene Smart is having quite a career peak right now, later in her, in her uh, career. She uh, was in Fargo and she's become like a regular um like a like a a, a a player within the Noah Howley, the, the creator of of the Fargo show, uh, he's kind of like uh, you know has like um, uh, part of that team of actors because he also did another show, a comic book adaptation called Legion, which was based on an X Men comic book. But she mm-hmm. uh, uh, was uh, one of the main leads in that too, and she's also very good in that. And that was a few years back, although she was even I think in the most recent season of Fargo, which was just last year, and she was also one of the main characters, maybe the second lead or third lead, maybe in uh, HBO's um, Watchmen miniseries, which was excellent. Really, really great. If people haven't watched that. And now she's on this plus at the exact same time, also on HBO, HBO must love her. She's doing a show called Hacks, where she plays a Las Vegas comedian, kind of like a Joan Rivers character. And uh, she uh, is kind of late in her career and things are not great at the moment, although she's like extremely famous in Vegas. She's kind of one of those people who are famous in Vegas. And um, uh, and she is teamed up with this Twitter writer girl, very young and like probably 20 years old, never seen this actress before. As a matter of fact, she only has a couple of credits and she's excellent for someone who's really new to um, the scene. And uh, this is a girl from California. She like got famous for making funny tweets. And then she like became a writer on one of these kind of like ironic uh 20 something um tv shows mm-hmm. and f- by a, a, a series of uh, events they end up getting teamed together and they are like oil and water but they're kind of coming to some uh understanding between the two of them and i really highly recommend this it's from the creative team that made broad city if you ever watched broad city mm-hmm. and uh they are um uh and the, the show is uh, um uh, basically uh didn't really like the pilot. I heard great, great things about it. So I was trying to listen to it. It's only half an hour episodes, so you can binge it pretty quickly. There are only four episodes mm-hmm. into it right now. 
And uh, basically the first episode was a, um, was a little rough, the, the pilot. Uh, second episode was very funny. So it was getting, going the right direction. And I uh, just caught up to the fourth episode. By the time it gets to the fourth episode, the fourth episode is a really, really great episode of television. So I really recommend it if anybody wants to watch that. She's great in it, Jean Smart, that is. But everybody, the whole cast is really great in the show. And it's really the two women together that is pretty much the entire show. So it's very entertaining, very funny. Uh, uh, dark at times, but also just straight up uh, uh, slapstick at other times. Very, very good. And one more recommendation, which is a, sh- a movie that's probably going to be on my top 10 movies of the year and may Why? interest people. Yeah, <laughs> and may interest people, uh, uh, listeners of this podcast. And it's available now on Amazon Prime and on Hulu. So it's very, very easy to, to see. And uh, Amazon Prime has been promoting it pretty highly. It's supposedly a horror movie. It's not a horror movie, by the way, if people don't like horror movies, but it's called St. Maud. And very strange that it's coincidentally, as I'm watching Hacks, also about a strange relationship that forms between a young woman and an older like diva character. So very similar in that regard, but very different in tone. But the thing I want to call out, what I like so much about this film is that, uh, like I said, it's marketed as a horror movie, but it's really not a horror movie. It's much more psychological. But much more interesting to me is this, the woman who wrote and directed the screenplay or the movie itself, it's her first film as a British uh, filmmaker. This is the very first movie she's made. I, this is one of the most confident, well-made directorial debuts I've seen in many years. And I'm really, really interested to see what she's going to do next. And like I said, it's not like grading on a curve, like, oh, good directing for a woman in horror. I mean, just one of the most confident directorial debuts I've seen in a long time. And I'm very interested to see what she does next. And that's called Saint Maud. Fantastic. And I I love that. uh, Sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just saying that's called Saint Maud. I was just reiterating that. I love that all your recommendations are very women-centered this week. I really like that. Well, I have two other ones, which I'm not going to recommend, but uh, one, they're both common. One is uh, Army of, well, I'll, I'll just call it out right now. It's uh, the Zack Snyder movie on Netflix called Army of the Dead, which is terrible. Don't watch it. I and, got an uh, email about that from Netflix. And just from awful. the image, I was like, eh, I don't think so. Oh my God. I'm not a Zack Snyder <laughs> fan, but this is really bad. It, it, it does have the, the, the opening, the, the credit sequence, which lasts like 20 minutes, by the way, is actually very good. Uh, the rest of the movie is terrible, <laughs> terrible. Um, like the like basically they should have just made it a mini movie. There's the, that opening sequence. Uh, and I also watched Invincible on Amazon, another comic book ad- adaptation. So, you know, I, that's why I didn't put them in my main recommendations. But Invincible, by the way, I haven't finished watching it yet, but it is excellent. It's very good if you like comic book adaptations. But I won't go into too much details on that one because I don't know how much crossover we had in that audience. But if you are into comic book adaptations, it's also on Amazon Prime and it's really, really good. Good to know. All right. That's it. We have one more okay. episode. Season finale next week. That's right. And we'll tease it now. We're going to have the finale uh, one week from today. So we'll drop it on Monday. And then in the main episode, usually have a Thursday episode, usually music related. Uh, the Thursday episode next week will be a season recap. And we may even bring in our spouses possibly into our conversation. I hope at least my spouse, my spouse. I don't know if Joel's willing to participate. But uh, You uh, know what? We're going to be away that oh, week. And I yes. think we'll essentially have no childcare if both Joel and I are. <laughs> You'll have to tag team on the, on the, on the recording, right? <laughs> but I'm hoping we can also, you know, discuss some stray thoughts that have not been directly related to uh, the plot of Mara, but just uh, funny things that have been going on, you know, will Mara ever dye her roots? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what's going on with her and her vape pen, stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. The vaping thing is pretty funny. 
And uh, yeah, and also just like in the beyond all those kind of straight thoughts, which I we, we can get into, but also just the I think like once we see the revelation of whatever it is, we can then like talk about like the season as a whole and how well they handle that. You know, for yes. example, like uh, I didn't see it, but like the undoing or whatever, like apparently that was a terrible uh, finale, right? So we could talk yeah. about like how does this uh, stack up to other shows and how well they kind of you know uh, uh, laid out the story and, and the clues, etc. So. Yep. All right. So that's what we have next week. And then we have to figure out what we're going to do uh, after that. So we're going to be recapping movies, another TV show, maybe. Anyway, we'll, we're still figuring all that out, but we'll keep you all posted. I'm so excited. All right. Thanks <laughs> okay. again. Talk to you soon. Great. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye.